So when it comes to Destiny 2, Connor is kind of my my go-to when it comes to co-op or any kind of uh, anything beyond solo play. Um, and recently, Beyond Light, the new expansion for Destiny 2, has dropped. And I kind of wanted to review that a little bit today and talk more about it because it's been really interesting seeing Destiny develop this this year especially. So I figured I'd have Connor on the podcast today to kind of help me discuss that. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I've been having a blast with this new expansion and everything with it. I mean, of course, like every expansion, I feel like it has some flaws, but we'll get to some of that later. But as for co-op play, yeah, no, I'm generally on nine times out of 10. So it's been a blast being able to play with people, even though that's mainly a requirement nowadays, but I don't know. That's kind of how it's been for me is that I've been playing Destiny 2 a lot more. Um, I got into it a little bit like a couple months ago and then uh, there's nothing really that's been big for me personally dropping um, leading up to the days of Cyberpunk because everyone knows I'm excited for that. Mm -hmm. Um, And Beyond Light was really the big one for me. Um, So I decided to jump into that and kind of kind of throw everything I had into it and put all my focus into it before I led myself away into CD Projekt Red or CD Projekt Red's new title. Um, So what are your first impressions of Beyond Light? What did you think of it when it dropped a few weeks ago? Honestly, I was really excited. I did all of the pre-expansion stuff before it dropped. I was there for the event in which the Traveler reforged. I thought that was really exciting. But the actual release of Beyond Light, I actually had a really shitty work schedule. So the first weeks, I wasn't necessarily there. But getting into the campaign and getting into the flow of the grind and everything was a bit eh. At first, it felt pretty slow. It felt pretty blue-balling as they released the um, Stasis class. You know, you had to unlock it over the course of the campaign. They gave you little teases of it with the attuning throughout the campaign. But at the end of the day, the grind to the subclass was bearable. I really enjoyed unlocking the Stasis subclass and being able to use it and using it in Europa, using it in Strikes, using it in Crucible. Huh. So when they were putting out all the new subclasses for the original classes like Titan Hunter and Warlock, you had to, um, you had to, they kind of just gave it to you, you know, it was like, oh, hey, go do this mission. And it kind of explains where it's coming from. And you have a little bit of dialogue and a little bit of backstory behind it. But they kind of just gave it to you at the end of the day. Like, you know, you just walked out of that mission having a brand new class. And with this, you know, it was an introduction of like, hey, this is a very big moment that like now you're switching from things that you know in the light, like arc, solar, void, you know, you're kind of moving away from that and going into uncharted territory of using darkness which is a big moment so i like that they kind of give you tastes of it along the way hey you know what go attune here and then you can you can use it play around with it like by killing a few enemies or whatever and then you immediately go do another mission a new campaign mission where you get to taste it you get to use it again but now against a boss and you get to see how it kind of plays out when you're using it in actual gameplay and that kind of that kind of gave the story a little bit of suspense almost that it's like hey you know you probably shouldn't be doing this it kind of gives you a chance to question you know that hey no this is really weird and ghost is questioning you along the way and um uh, not osiris um um Elsie Bray. Elsie Bray is kind of saying things about it and Eris Moore and they're kind of just making comments along the way that kind of kind of make you go back and forth about how you feel about using it. So when you are using it in these like kind of gaps in the story, it's like, holy shit, it gives you points to question and what am I doing, you know? And that added to the the very dark aesthetic that Beyond Light brought to Destiny. 
I honestly really think that that is the best part of this expansion in its entirety is the question of using the darkness. You know, Zavala has things to say, Ikora has things to say, Elsie Bray, uh, the new Cosmodrome NPC, Shahan has things to say. It's not only in voice recordings, but all the, the dialogue and all of the exotic descriptions and everything. All of it is generally asking that question, like, is using the darkness something we should do or is it something we should avoid in order to not become corrupted and i really like that because it brings several new questions to the table of what new powers can we use that aren't stasis yeah and and i like that they kind of they kind of pushed away from the the cliche is this morally okay to do you know because you 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 just came to europa and then it kind of just threw you straight in like the darkness has kind of been beckoning they say he keeps saying beckoning it's been beckoning you for almost two expansions now, you know, you kind of, um, you kind of just slowly make this, this step towards using darkness. And now that it's finally here, I like that they kind of pushed away from the morals of it, that it's like, oh, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's bad to use it and it's good to use it. You know, they mentioned a few times like Zavala, um, hey, hey, you know, it, this is bad to use it. You shouldn't do that. And darkness has killed so many and Ghost kind of makes a few comments, but they, they really emphasize the idea, especially through Drifter. Drifter has this, this line of dialogue that I loved and it was that they need to end the dogma between the light and the dark, that there's kind of no difference there. And um, Elsie says it says it pretty well too, that there's a razor thin margin. There's a razor thin area between the light and the dark. So it's kind of not that one is bad and one is good, you know, and some people see the light as bad and some people see the dark as good, you know, and it's not that, that there's this huge distinction that needs to be made, that it's just kind of there, you know what I mean? That darkness is not something that you should see as a bad thing, just as light is not something that you should see as a good thing. So they kind of conjoin the two, um, which eliminates the idea that there is morals involved. You know, Zavala keeps saying, hey, even Zavala said, hey, you cannot use the darkness anymore. Somewhere along the campaign, you know, uh, guardians are permitted, or uh, they are not allowed to use stasis anymore it's not it's not a good thing we're going to outlaw that in the tower guardians are not allowed to use it here but you use it all like all over the place and you see it's kind of effect so it starts to kind of stray away from morals and i love that idea that it's more of you're using it as a tool and it's not something that you have fully pursued fully taken in you're it's still confusing there's a lot to learn about it it's un uncharted territory as i said before and um, that's, that's another thing that's added to the story was there's, it, it they didn't follow a cliche route. It's a very, Hey, you know, the players are going to kind of have to step into this new realm along with us, Bungie, you know, and kind of explore where this is going to go, how we're going to go about it. Um, is the story going to develop into a darker realm? Are we still going to kind of keep towards the light? Are we going to see guardians fall into the darkness? You know, it, 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 again, it strays away from the morals of it and goes kind of straight into what is going to happen with the use of darkness now. And we've even seen since Destiny 1's Grimoire cards that there's been many people who think that there is no line between light and dark because they are essentially the same. There's a symmetry, there's a balance. Um, I forget which Grimoire said it is, but there was a guy that basically was like, yeah, there's literally no difference between dark and light. They are tools, and we need to understand that for survival. And it's been all throughout Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, but now we, we're we no longer dealing with that dilemma necessarily, but we are right there living the, the situation. We are living the dilemma between the tools because at the end of the day, we have seen Guardians get corrupted by it, including, you know, most notable... Dredgen Yor mm. went from like this noble titan 
to this dark, corrupted hunter who was an enemy of life. But are we going to be ending up doing that, as the dark future lore has been saying throughout these new cards? Yeah, see, and that, that's, yeah, I can't even answer that question, you know, and I, I wish that I could because it's, it's a really weird idea that the entire Destiny series up to this point has kind of, hey, the light's a good thing, and hey, we need to use the light, and the light's going to guide us through everything, and the light saves you, and the light is something that kind of gifted us in a way, that we are, we are tools of the light. The light acts in certain ways, and we carry out the ways that those tools are used, you know what I mean? And... The way, and especially like and the way that they separated that and the way that they kind of pushed us into darkness was right at the end of shadow right at the end of shadow keep you know they, they dropped that huge fucking bomb of when you see yourself and it's like hey we're not we're not your friend we're not your enemy um but we are your salvation you know what i mean and they kind of show you that like the dark is not here to kill you if it would if it wanted to kill you it would have killed you you know but it's it's here to kind of kind of uh, like reassure you that the darkness didn't come to destroy the light just as the light is not ever trying to destroy the dark. They're just kind of button heads all the fucking time. You know, so when the dark approaches you as the tool and says, you know, in a form of yourself and says, hey, we are your salvation, it kind of breaks that line of like, should I trust the dark? Should I not trust the dark? You know, and and it kind of, it kind of, it expands more on the idea of darkness is used in more things than, we're, than we know, you know, like Elsie Bray in, in Destiny 1, you know, I, back back then she was just the exo stranger, but she, uh, you brought it up once in Discord that she had mentioned that she is not born of the light. She is not something that is of light. She was born in darkness. And that was kind of a weird question of like, or like a weird thing for her to say. And it begged a lot of questions of like, what the fuck? Like, what does she mean she was born in darkness, you know? And then kind of slowly throughout the rest of Destiny 1 and into Destiny 2, you kind of heard these things of Deepstone Crypt and the Deepstone Crypt are where Exos are from and that the Deepstone Crypt is not a place where light dwells. It's not a good place, you know? And um, that came out with Destiny um, Destiny Beyond Light too, where they, they put Deepstone Crypt on Europa and we've always known it's on Europa, you know? But now we kind of got to see what happens at the Deepstone Crypt. Um, the Exos, in fact, are not made of light, you know? But there are Exos like Cade that can be of light, you know what I mean? That can be blessed by the light, that can carry out the light's actions and um, its kind of agenda in a way. So, and another question that kind of comes along with using the darkness is how is it going to be used in future expansions or throughout the process of kind of conjoining light and dark within Guardians? And that, 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 that kind of, it, it centers all around Guardians, and that's really what I'm kind of wondering is the light can choose Guardians just as the dark beckoned you, which kind of shows that the dark was choosing you too. You know, it didn't choose a regular ass person. It chose the guardian, someone of the light, you know? Um, and it, 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 the guardians are just a tool. It almost feels like they're almost like a catalyst. So what more comes of guardians? Like, it, it seems like you're not just a regular person. You know, you're not like, you're not like Zavala where you're your supreme light being or whatever the fuck he likes to be. And you're not dredging your who claims to be the enemy of life. You know what I mean? You're kind of just like this catalyst that can kind of sway both ways. Um, and I really want to see where they kind of carry that. Like, will you eventually be able to choose to be part of the darkness and let it corrupt you? Or will you eventually be able to light to kind of, kind of like carry you away from the darkness? Like what is the guardian's role in using the darkness? I am so glad you asked that because even back in Destiny 1, they had this huge thing about the collapse, the clashing of light and dark, and we saw 
insane battles. You know, Rasputin was firing off, the pyramids were here, everything was just shit hit the fan. But in that collapse, we also saw the birth of the awoken species. Mm. So I'm kind of curious as to the same thing in terms of the light and dark are clashing once again. Is this going to be another collapse? Is this going to be another victory? What is this going to be? What are going to be the greater effects of this? Exactly. And that, that's kind of what I'm wondering is because we know that the next expansion, the next comet expansion that is, is going to be based around the Witch Queen. That's the name of it. It's, it's going to be based around Savathun because um, she's been brought up a few times, especially throughout Shadowkeep, like what her role is because, you know, she is the sister of Aryx, of Oryx, you know what I mean? So she kind of, she kind of has this really ominous, um, threatening name almost you know whenever you hear Savathun you're like oh fuck you know what I mean like that's the sister of Oryx like that's a very big name to be throwing around you know that's not something to be taken lightly like Aramis kind of was like oh yeah Aramis is around and you're like who the fuck is that you know what I mean like you kind of didn't really know who it was but you knew that she was a villain versus Savathun throughout since Destiny 1 her name has been being brought up so you know that she's not a good fucking thing so the darkness kind of strays us in or kind of carries us into um, the Witch Queen, but it's like, well, the Witch Queen is all deep, you know what I mean? It's all the deep, it's all the darkness. Like, that's kind of what the Hive are known for, is only being dwellers of the deep, or the darkness, or the abyss, whatever the fuck that, you know, whatever the fuck they choose to call that. Um, but, you know, it it, it kind of leads into that, and I want to see how the darkness kind of moves us into the next expansions, and what role it kind of plays. Because it's, it's a really weird line, like, it's like, hey, you know, uh, Beyond Light was like, hey, here's a darkness. And you're like, okay, it was really cool. And then with Clovis Bray, you know, Clovis Bray kind of helped us understand a little bit more with the Deepstone Crypt and with his exoscience and with Anna and Elsie Bray kind of showing us and carrying us through who Clovis Bray was and what part he had to play in the darkness and um, how he used the darkness personally, you know. Um, and I, I, I really liked it because it kind of it, it added an extra kind of story to beyond light, like, hey, here's a darkness, but also here's Clovis Bray's existential crisis, you know what I mean? Like, and it, 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 it added this extra little niche to it that I could appreciate because now you have Clovis Bray using the darkness, but you also have the darkness that you can kind of have your own opinion on. You know, everyone's kind of throwing around ideas of, hey, this is bad, hey, this is good, and it's kind of very in the middle right now, it's a really weird gray area, but here's Clovis Bray. And here's his take on the darkness. And here's Elsie Bray's take on the darkness. And here's Anna Bray's take on the darkness. So they kind of give you ideas to base your opinion off of. But overall, what we've been left with after the campaign and after Endgame is you kind of have to choose what, what you're thinking of the darkness right now. Like, it's kind of just a personal player opinion at this point. So how is that going to carry us into Witch Queen? Are we going to ever get to choose? Are we going to see how that develops with the Guardians and never get to choose at all? Or is it just going to be kind of up in the air that we used it this once and we're probably not going to see a next expansion. Who knows, you know? I think the one thing that Destiny has always kind of had is you fight for the Traveler and especially now in Destiny 2 with using Stasis and the Darkness, we are still fighting for the Traveler. So I don't think necessarily that anytime soon we will have the choice to choose the Path of Darkness, but I do... I am interested in them building up to that choice. I don't think we're going to get that anytime soon, like I said, but... This also begs the greater question of what powers will we get out of this, like including stasis? Like, will we get taken shit? Will we get hive shit? Is there going to be some random thing we've never seen before? Like, stasis, they kind of hinted at with Eris Morn's cinematic that, you know, she was holding the little crystal and it kind of 
gotten cased in ice. Like, that was pretty cool, but we've seen so many uses of the darkness that I'm kind of curious to see what we can pick up beyond stasis. Yeah, and that, that's kind of what I what I really am really interested in um, is I'm really interested in what we will continue to see coming from the darkness because, again, it's all uncharted territory. Like, Bungie can take this any route they want and players are going to eat that shit up. I know I ate it up. I was like, ice, we're really going to be using fucking ice. And then the second that I dropped into the expansion and I had my impression, my first impressions of it, I was like, wow, this is fucking dope. Ice, like, I, I ice fucking, baby. Yeah, I fucking love it. It's it, it was so much fun and it wasn't it wasn't like a honeymoon phase. Like, I still love stasis. I, I use it. I haven't even used the other subclasses since I've got them or since I've gotten stasis. You know, it's... It's fun to use. It brings a lot to the table. It has a lot of lore behind it and a lot of questions behind it. So it kind of throws you in this weird idea of, like you said, you know, you are, you're going to fight for the Traveler, you know, so are there Avengers going to be people that fight for the darkness, you know, like, and are, are there Avengers going to be people that fight for that side? I, I, and I don't think that, I personally, I don't think we're ever going to get the choice, but I'd like to see it. I'd like to see that kind of split. You know, they, they took out factions from Destiny 1 into Destiny 2. They don't have factions anymore, like, you know, uh, uh, Dead Orbit and um, I can't remember the other ones. Future War Cult. Yeah, Future War Cult and stuff like that. Um, they took those ideas out. So what if they were to reintroduce that into a broader sense of like, you know, Dead Orbit's kind of like, like they said, like a nihilistic, darker, uh, we don't really like the light, but you know, we have it. So what if they kind of were to do that in future expansions leading to the Witch Queen and then eventually leading into Lightfall? You know, Lightfall is a big fucking name and it, it has a lot of fucking questions behind it. And Lightfall kind of implies that like something's going to happen with the tower again or something's going to happen with light or there's going to be, like you said, some sort of second collapse or third collapse I think we're on now. I think we're on the verge of a, a third collapse. I could be wring um, But it, it, it kind of... You can see that now darkness is starting to affect our future opinion on what these expansions are going to be, you know, because I don't have any opinion on what's going to happen in the Witch Queen or in Lightfall. I don't know yet. You can only really, you can only, um, you can only really hypothesize what's going to be happening in them. But now that we have the darkness, it kind of asks a little bit more questions and it kind of narrows down what, what's going to happen, you know, like with Lightfall, again, that that's not a good title. Like, you know, nothing, nothing's good is going to come out of that. And, you know, it's going to be a very bad thing that happens to us as Guardians. But what also is going to happen to light? You know, are we going to be able to choose? Are we eventually going to have to fight darkness in itself? Or is darkness going to say, hey, you know, you're using us as a tool. So you can kind of use both of us to fight a greater enemy than darkness and light. Like, what is that going to bring? You know, and it, it's, it's it's a really weird place to be in where you have all these questions, but you don't have any answers and you're not going to have any um, answers until, until Witch Queen. I think the greatest thing of Beyond Light is... Through its campaign and through the new subclasses and through all the dialogue and whatnot, they really introduced the idea of change. Like, it changed the way the game plays. It changed the way we think about darkness. It changed everything. You know, we have a whole new mechanic of being able to freeze, which we've never seen before. We've been able to stun. We've been able to blind. We've been able to suppress everything. But now we gain the ability to freeze and territory control through that and to be offensive through that or defensive. But... It even changed the way we interact with fellow guardians, not only through, you know, dialogue and interactions like, haha, you use the light, you're such a nerd, haha, you use the dark, you're so edgy, but even mechanically, including, I really hate to bring this up, but PvP. We've all seen it, we've all been silenced and squalled, we've all been glacial quaked, we've all been winter's wrath, and I 
honestly have to admit right now, as much as I enjoy PvP, I have been losing my mind over the stasis subclass. Yeah, me too. It, it, I didn't really step into Crucible since Beyond Light dropped until more recently, like today. Um, and I kind of got to see how it works. And me personally, I like the idea of it. I like the way that it changes the pace of Crucible and the way it changes the pace of PvP overall. But I can see how it it really it really fucks up your fun. You know what I mean? Like you're you're playing and you're used to getting you know. Um, you're used to getting like hit with a fucking with a solar whatever from um, from warlocks in midair, you know, or you're used to seeing a sentinel shield, or you're used to having to dodge this way or react to this kind of super or react to that kind of grenade, you know. So it, this kind of changes the pace of it, but in a weird way. Like I like being able to freeze people, but I don't like being frozen. You know what I mean? So the, the grenade, you can you can create a wall, and so that you know, or you can create an ice wall that you can't shoot through very easily, you know what I mean? So that creates a different type, like how am I gonna react to that? Am I gonna jump over it? Am I gonna shoot through it? Am I gonna back off and reload? Am I gonna kind of, what am I gonna do here? And then they have dust field grenades, like, oh shit, I need to get out of here, but I need to shoot them back. How am I gonna react here? And it just adds this weird uncomfortability or uncomfortable state to the PvP where it's like, you're still learning how to react to these things, but it almost, it's not overpowered, but it almost feels unfair. And that that's kind of what, that's kind of, a weird addition that they could have added to PvP. Like, I, I'm not going to say they should take Stasis out because I really like having it in PvP and I like really having it as an option to kind of stray away from using those other abilities that everybody's so accustomed to. Um, but I also kind of think that it has like a little bit of a almost like an implicit meaning that like everyone's getting frozen, everyone hates Stasis, and all we're getting frozen. And you know, it kind of has this implicit feeling of like wow the dark kind of is shitty you know it, it really fucks me up in pvp you know like i just lost this and lord shacks called me a bitch for dying because fucking i got frozen from stasis you know what i mean like it kind of adds that weird implicit whatever but beyond that um and beyond the light really is just this idea that it it kind of is changing everything around us especially pvp i haven't really seen how much it changes gambit i mean it the supers are really overpowered, obviously, like especially the warlocks. So I've been killed by that a few times in Gambit, but PvP is mainly the things that it has changed and it's become really fucking annoying. Yeah, and like I said, they introduced the idea that we are thinking of everything differently, including PvP in the sense that now you have the ability to completely lock your opponent out of the game for a few seconds. You know, warlocks got their huge nerf where they can only freeze people for a second and a half, which that was completely warranted in my opinion, but... The thing I don't really understand is the one mechanic that everybody hates, shatter. I don't understand why if you're frozen and you try to shatter out, why you should take damage to gain the advantage of being un like unfrozen early. Because if you think about it, you, again, you are locked out of the game entirely for a few seconds. Anybody on the enemy team has a chance to kill you. So why is it that if I'm trying to break out, I die even earlier? No, I completely agree. It's it's. I think it's fucking absurd that they would add something like that in. Like I see how how in campaign and anything you know PVE wise, it, it's really reliant. But in PVP, it kind of does mess up the flow. Like despite it creating a different pace, it does fuck up the flow of it. You know, and and it it, it does bring change, and it does. Like I said, even though it has a simplistic meaning, it 
it kind of does need to be worked on a little bit. Like, you know, when, when we, like in division one, when you'd be in the dark zone, you know, you'd be, you'd be, um, shock turreted and you'd be stuck being shocked for like, you know, fucking five seconds. And that was absolutely absurd. It was fucking stupid, man. You know, and I, I, I hated, I hated sitting there so fucking helplessly watching someone just demolish me, and I couldn't react no matter how much I hammered on the buttons or hammered on my keyboard. Like, no, there's nothing you can fucking do. And it's kind of the same thing with Destiny. Like, you, there's nothing you can slam V, but eventually they're gonna deal enough damage that when you break out, you're fucking one shot or you're dead before you even fucking break out. You know, and that, that is really frustrating. But at the same time, you know it. I, I like it because again it brings it brings a whole new set of skills and a whole new gameplay style to it. You know, it's light was really fun, but it never hindered your gameplay. You know, it was like, oh I got hit by a sentinel shield, whatever. Or oh hey, that guy popped a bubble I can't shoot through there, I'm gonna flank him. You know, there's nothing like that here. It's like, well I got frozen, what the fuck am I gonna do? You know what I mean? It's it's a very basic, oh, uh, you know, cause and effect. And it, people have been really hating stasis and it's kind of uh, its presence in PvP and personally like I said I, fu- I think it's fucking annoying but I actually enjoy it you know trials I can see how it's going to be a huge fucking controversy it already has been a huge fucking controversy because you know how 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 ridiculous is it that you can run into one of the most comp- no it is the most competitive mode in Destiny and how like how can you run in the most competitive mode and freeze someone and get a free fucking kill off that you know and you don't get to respawn you have to wait till fucking next round you know and or someone comes and revives you but even then they froze your buddies too or you froze them so like it it, it changes the gameplay but it also adds a whole new like well how are we gonna balance this you know it took years of balancing Sentinel Shield it took years about ba- uh, balancing Well of Eternity uh, or Well of a uh, well of Radiance? Yeah, it took, it took a while of balancing Well of Radiance. It took a while of balancing uh, Spectral Blades, you know? So it's like, how, how are they going to slowly balance this over time to where we are not only comfortable using it, but comfortable um, reacting to it in a way that is beneficial to us as PvP players? Yeah, I'm really tempted to see, you know, where this all goes. I'm kind of going to have to play the waiting game to see this balance itself out over time, you know, how the community reacts, how Bungie reacts, but... I agree. In all honesty, I think I'm going to go ahead and stay away from the Crucible for now because, personally, I find it very frustrating, but instead of the Crucible, I have been dipping my toes into the Wrathborn. Mm, me too. I fucking love the Wrathborn. I like what they did with it, that it kind of adds a... You know, with with all the other seasons, they, like Season of Arrivals and even like the Solstice event, they had these things that you can just like rehash. You can just continuously like do them every day. You can come in and keep doing it and keep doing it. You know, keep doing this one event that'll give you gear and um, it'll benefit you by going through, getting higher light, getting new weapons, all that. Um, and Wrathworn kind of expanded on that in a really weird way that in order to participate in these events, instead of just being able to load into it, you have to go do strikes or you have to go do the nightfall or you have to participate in crucible or you have to participate in gambit in order to gain charges of a certain item that you have to use to gain access to this dungeon sort of idea you know where hey you know like once you've done doing all these other basic things that we've been doing for years in destiny you can do this new event and you can only hold you only have so many charges or um yeah, yeah, you only have so many charges of this item to use when getting into this new event. But it, but doing this new event brings new triumphs. It gives you new gear. It gives you um, 
It gives you like the ability to uh, like kind of narrow down what your gear is going to look like if you want to specify resilience or if you want to specify mobility or if you want to specify strength. You kind of can. So not only did they bring in this new event, they kind of brought in this idea that it's a little bit different from all the other seasons. And I really enjoy that. I thoroughly enjoy that as well. I will agree that, you know, gating certain things behind the same shit we've been doing in Destiny for years kind of is really frustrating. But I will take that at the expense of being able to curate my new roles. You know, the fact that you can specify which perks you do not want and which perks you do want to an extent on your weapons and your items, it feels really nice. Again, it sucks that you have to go through two or three strikes in order to get that, but I will take it. Um, I will say though, beyond the Wrathborn hunts and the item curating, I think the best part of the season, honestly, is the crow. Yeah, I, I really like how they added, uh, they brought back, well, I guess they can't say they brought back Uldren Sov because he's not Uldren Sov anymore. But I kind of like that they're introducing a whole new character in this way because usually they don't introduce characters like that. You know, Destiny 1, it was like, here's Zavala, here's Ikora, here's Eris. Here's, we, we kind of talk about Osiris a little bit. Um, here are the big game players and here's the Exo Stranger, you know, and then throughout there, they kind of added in new characters somewhat, you know, but they never, they never purposely went out of their way to show cutscenes or to reference certain characters because they weren't really very important, you know, their importance came through dialogue or came through their presence throughout the storyline. So when they... You know, when they moved into Destiny 2, they, they brought in the idea of, like, oh, here's Spider, you know, and uh, Marasav has been gone. You know, they kind of reference these characters and they kind of bring them in very slowly. Um, but then, they, you know, Aldrin Sov had a huge play or had a huge part to play in Cade's death. But not only is he not Aldrin Sov anymore, here's all this attention on who he is now, now that he's been resurrected in the light or through the light as the crow, you know, and they're putting a lot of attention on him. Like, hey, he's the forefront of these Wrathborn. He's the, he's the kind of, he's kind of a mercenary for Spider and here's him and don't tell him about who he was before. And he's, he's new to the light. You know, it's a really weird, it's a really weird thing for Bungie to put all this, attention on a new character supposedly a new character he was old and saw but now he's a crow so he, he has a new character i think the best comparison to make with the crow i've heard this several times and i entirely agree with it the crow is the jamie lannister of the destiny universe in the sense that you know in the beginning he was this arrogant bastard who only did what he could for his sister and everybody fucking hated him nobody really understood him including kids death you know, everybody hates him for that, even after he was reborn. But yeah. now he has had this this pinnacle moment of being resurrected as Jamie Lannister metaphorically was, but as the crow literally was. Mm. And now he can find redemption in terms of fighting off the wrath born in the hive and possibly even becoming the vanguard, as has been destined. Yeah. And that that's kinda that's kinda where I think that they're gonna take him a little bit, is that um what was it? It was something about the hunters. It was the where with Cade, how he he kind of transitioned. Whoever kills the Hunter Vanguard representative is is the new Hunter Vanguard representative. So Cade kind of implicitly moved that over to Aldrin. But now that Aldrin is you know the Crow and he doesn't remember who he was before, it's kind of going to create this arc of 
Aldrin getting introduced to the light in the way that Cade was. You know, I don't think he's ever going to be the the Nathan Fillion kind of quippy, really really funny center of attention. But I do think that he is going to have a huge role to play in the Witch Queen, especially since now you're starting to see the Wrathborn. You know, the Hive are infiltrating in really weird ways and starting to make moves. Um, which we don't yet know if they're controlled by Savathun, or we don't know yet know why they're doing this, but we know that Aldrin Sav is at the forefront of this. Kind of how Cade was at the forefront of everything else, you know? Like, when something was happening, you know, with uh, the Red War, the Cabal were kind of invading, and they were taking over this. Cade was at the forefront of that. Zavala was helping rebuild the tower. Ikora was kind of exploring what the fuck to do without the light, kind of being like a weird monk, you know, like a weird bald-ass monk, you know? But it's... And kind of moves in this idea that that Aldrin is at the forefront of this, and he is going to take over Cade's role, but not in a not in a Cade sort of way. You know, he's gonna he is going to be the Hunter Vanguard. He is going to be the forefront of hopefully the next expansion. You know, hopefully he's going to be the forefront of the next expansion. Um, but what kind of part does that have to play with the darkness? Is it going to be separate? Is is he going to kind of dabble in that too? Is he going to just be the new Hunter Vanguard and kind of work alongside Zavala? How are his ideas going to clash with Ikor and Zavala? Are they going to hate him because he killed Cade? Are they going to welcome him into the light? Is he going to... Is his idea of being a light bearer going to be different from Zavala? You know what I mean? It's It kind of adds in this weird realm of, you know... The Crow is a new character, but he's not something like we've seen before. I think that's another great thing to bring up is, like we were talking about earlier, the darkness and light are kind of balanced in a way, and now Uldren Sov is the greatest example of that because he killed one of the greatest champions of the light and is now going to become one. And as an Awoken, he was born in light and darkness. You know, he is the greatest example of this 50-50 split. So him becoming a vanguard would also be symbolically insane. Because he is half light and half dark in several different ways. Yeah, and, and it kind of adds to like what they're going to do with the next seasons too. Because this season was centered around Uldren Sov. And we all kind of know that the seasons add a little bit more story or add a little bit more lore in than, than what we were given based off of the last expansion, like Comet or not. You know, it um, like with the season of Arrivals, it was kind of the idea of... Um, hey, something's coming. You know what I mean? Like season of arrivals, you know, here's all these darkness pyramids. And that was new. Like we didn't, we didn't see it up until season of arrivals that those pyramids were kind of here. And then that season lasted a while. So we kind of got used to the idea. And then, oh, now these pyramids have taken all these planets away. And here's Uldren Sov. You know what I mean? But Uldren Sov wouldn't have been there without the season. You know what I mean? So what are the next seasons going to be? I think we have what, 72, 71 days left of the season. So we have quite a bit of time to kind of explore Uldren and the Crow and I guess not Aldrin, but The Crow and the Wrathborn and what's going to be going on with the Hive, which kind of leads us into the next seasons. Like, what are they going to do? Are they going to expand more on the Crow? Are they going to expand more on the Deepstone Crypt and Clovis Bray? Are they going to expand more on Elsie and Anna Bray? Are they going to explore more on just overall darkness? Like, or are they going to kind of make a conglomeration of all of it with Aldrin being brought into the tower and being introduced as a new light bearer? Or is it kind of going to allude more on what we've been doing with the darkness, with Clovis, because we do now know that Clovis is in a really weird technological way, literally, is alive. You know, he he is an exo technically in, in two different ways, with Banshee 4-4 and with um with the big ass head that you found at the bottom of Exoscience. So are they gonna kinda are they which way are they gonna go with the next season? Are they gonna elude more on one topic? Are they gonna do it on all of them? Or are they gonna kinda continue the story of Beyond Light with Stasis? 
So I can't exactly speak for the future because you're absolutely right, Bungie could take that in several directions. But the current one that they are headed in really does seem to focus on the crow. And I say that we're all ready for it. Hawkmoon is coming. And yeah. it is the perfect thing to bring because it's bird themed like crow. It's a hand cannon, which we all know we all know why the crow doesn't like hand cannons, but we know we're gonna get one out of this. Yeah. And reportedly as of January 5th, we're gonna be getting that Hawkmoon quest, but they are definitely pushing towards developing this character as a whole, even if it is just through seasons. Yeah. And that kind of moves us into like the next the next little thing that we're getting from it cuz like you said, I don't really I don't really know what they're going to do with the next seasons. We kind of just have to wait and see. I know that's going to kind of slowly build us up to the Witch Queen, then you know the next comet expansion and then eventually in a Lightfall. But we're kind of focused on the Witch Queen right now and they kind of have they have these small events and seasons that are going to be kind of thrown in there and the next one is going to be um the Dawning event. Um, which is pretty interesting. Like, you know, it's been kind of a reoccurring thing. It's annual, you know, every every holiday season around Christmas or whatever. Um, they bring in the dawning event. And I know they're not going to add any story, but that is going to kind of add new armor sets. It's going to add maybe a new light. Like, you know, kind of how the Solstice event kind of boosted your ability to kind of gain that that threshold of, you know, the new light cap. So I don't know if the dawning like event is going to kind of help us through that, you know, Hey, I haven't leveled my hunter, but I've leveled all my warlock or my warlock and, um, all the way through my Titan, but I haven't touched my hunter. So is this dawning event going to kind of, Hey, I can play my hunter and I can get these new armor sets, but also I can boost my light level all the way to 1250. So now I can participate in the deep stone crypt and I can participate in all these master lost sectors and whatnot, you know, like I wonder what they're going to kind of do with the dawning, you know, the armor, the armor looks pretty fucking sweet. I know it's only concept leaks, so I don't really know if that's going to be the the set. Uh, it's, I don't know if, really, if it's really going to be set in stone, but I, I like the look of it, and I think it's going to kind of add a new, a little bit more character to what's been going on with Destiny lately, which is a lot, you know. I will say I have a lot of gripes with the introduction of the stasis subclass, but I think Bungie did give us a white Christmas because they gave us ice and snow for the dawning, and I'm... I think that's honestly hilarious, but mm. the, to speak more on the dawning specifically, the Bungie has been releasing the concepts as part of the game to give mm. charity donations, and honestly, all the sets look just as awesome as they always have, including the Solstice sets and whatnot. Yeah, I, I honestly I didn't like the Winterheart stuff from last season. I, I did play last Christmas. Um, I think I stopped playing on Christmas Day for other you know for obvious reasons, new games, whatever. Um, but I, I still have those ornaments that I had from the last dawning event, and I didn't, eh. Like, I only have them for the Warlock, so I can't really speak for Hunter or Titan what they looked like. Um, but the Warlock was kind of lacking. They had they had a few kind of, I think they had two or three um, different sets that you can get for ornament-wise. You know, I, I, have, I have a few different robes that I can use. Um, so I know that, I don't know if they're going to add multiple sets of ornaments or if the one that we kind of know from the leak is going to be the only one that we see, but I think they really stepped up their ante. I think that everyone's been complaining, hey, the armor sets look like shit in Destiny 2 compared to Destiny 1. Like, where did the creativity go? Where did the literal edgy armor go? You know, where did the, where did the creativity go when it came to um, customizing and what, you know, the sharp edges and the detail of armor, you know, with, De with Destiny 2, when they launched, it was a kind of bulby, 
Like, you know, it looked really weird. Like, the Titan looked like a big bubble. The Warlock looked like this really slim, doesn't have a lot of armor or whatever. The Hunter just had a cloak. You know, like, there wasn't really much that defined these characters, you know. While now they're kind of, with the Dawning, I, it looks like they're kind of putting a little bit more attention into, hey, this armor set's badass, you know. And now you're going to feel, you're going to feel different from all these other people with wearing these new ornaments, you know. It's going to make you have and feel like you have, um more character to your literal character. It does definitely feel like they are more and more approaching the wear what you kill philosophy from Destiny 1. And I say that as a warlock main because of the season pass ornaments. The steeplechase. The steeplechase ornaments, especially for the warlock, covered head to toe in fucking hive trophies. Yeah. I fucking love that. And I think they are absolutely turning around back to that philosophy, which mm. everybody misses. Yeah, I, I, I for one miss it. I fucking, I hated moving into Destiny 2 because I just didn't, I felt like everyone else, like even if I was wearing a completely different set or if I was wearing different ornaments, they all kind of had the same idea. Like I said, the Titan was bubbly, you know, he looked weird and round and didn't have many edges to him. And now that they're, you know, the season, uh, the season that we have right now, the, the Wild Hunt, it kind of does add that characteristic of like, hey, you have all these kind of hive trophies or you have these kind of hive bones all over your character and that does add a little bit more definition to your character like it makes you stand out a little bit more and I feel like Dawning is going to kind of kind of add to that and I feel like every season they're going to kind of start doing that where it's like hey you know you can obtain all these new armor sets but here's the ornament sets and here's the season set that's going to kind of define it you know you, you like I see a ton of people already wearing the full steeplechase set I'm only halfway through the season so I don't even have a single piece of this new this new ornament you know so they they look badass but here I am wearing the beyond light stuff you know what I mean the beyond light armor sets so I look in my own way really cool in my opinion and I like the way my character looks and I feel good in my character but then here's all these other people who have this new really cool stuff you know and I haven't even touched a deep stone crypt yet so I, I've seen that armor and that kind of puts them on the side too too, you know, and so they, they kind of have different ways with how you can go. If you want to wear the Deepstone Crypt stuff, you can wear that because it looks badass. If you want to wear the, the Christocrine set, you can wear that. That's pretty fucking badass. You want to wear the Steeplechase ornaments, that's pretty fucking cool too. You know what I mean? They kind of have different ways with how you can customize your character and they have different ways of defining your character from all the other thousands of players that you run into practically on a daily basis, you know? I will say my one Christmas wish for Bungie is this uh, this next expansion, you're going Hive, you're probably going to go Taken, please give us a Taken ornament set or a Taken shader or just something, like that's, that's my only wish, but I really enjoy what they gave us with this season and what they gave us with Beyond Light, I think all of it looks and feels really, really fucking awesome. Yeah, fuck you Mariah Carey, Destiny 2 is all we give a shit about, but it, I don't know, I, I really kind of just... At this point, like like we said about with the new seasons and the stories, we're kind of just going to have to wait and see, you know, and, and I don't know what, what Des or Destiny or Bungie has in store for us. You know, we have a lot of other games coming out soon, like, you know, like Cyberpunk, Valhalla's out, Miles Morales, Spider-Man just came out. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that's out right now that kind of is going to sway my attention away from Destiny a little bit. Um, which is perfect because Des I've already beat the campaign. I've already done all the end game. At this point, it's kind of just a grind to get to the highest level light, light or light level, to get the new armor sets, to finish the season, to do all this. So I plan on hopefully finishing the season before Cyberpunk comes out here in five fucking days. Um, so while I'm playing all these new games through Christmas and through the new year and um, 
towards when they're going to start putting out the new season here in like 70 plus or 70 odd days. You know, it's it's really nice that Destiny kind of has these intervals of, you know, just kind of do your own thing, you know, so I can go play my other games. And then eventually when this new season drops, I can step in and I feel like I never left Destiny, Destiny in the first place. You know what I mean? And that's what's exciting about it for me is it is a waiting game and it does fucking suck that Bungie moves so slow. But I know that they're doing this all for a reason. You know, they've always done that with the seasons. They've always have done that with the common expansions, you know. They've kind of been increasing the intervals of how long it takes for these to come out, the distance between each expansion. But I feel like they're trying to make the most of it that they can through these really weird waiting intervals, you know. In Bungie, we believe. In Bungie, we trust. I'm I'm going to be with Destiny 2 for a while. I'm going to stick to it because I have so many things to grind out and so many things I want to achieve, but... At the same time, I think you're right. I have been kind of dipping my toes back into games like Diablo 3, you know, the ones that you can never really walk away from, just so I can pass the time until this next expansion because I already have done most of everything. Mm -hmm. I have not touched the raid yet, but I've done a lot of the Crucible stuff. I've done a lot of the Gambit stuff. Like, I already have all the ornaments for the Adored. I've already got the whole Steeplechase set. And now, you're right, it's just a waiting game. You know, we are frozen by stasis and time. Yeah, unfortunately... But like I said, we'll kind of see it. Hopefully we'll get more updates along the way because I'd like to kind of update everyone as it goes along because it's going to be a really interesting process. But nonetheless, I, I mean, I don't really have much more to say on the topic, to be honest. No, I don't really have much either. Just happy hunting, I guess. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Get out there and get your, get your new gear sets. This is a really interesting season. I really hope that people hear this and kind of feel like they should go step back into destiny or if this you know if this is your if you haven't played for a year or two or if you've ever played destiny at all it is a good time to step in you know with them releasing all the other shit you know like all the other planets and whatnot and kind of narrowing down where we can go and what we can do it's it's a perfect time to step in so if you haven't played in a while definitely come step into this new season it's a lot of fucking fun there's a lot of things to see a lot of lore to read a lot of lore to experience um and it, if you are a uh, a new player, it's awesome. It's a perfect time to step oh in. It kind of it yes. kind of adds this like it's a perfect time to step in because you wouldn't really know what's been going on with the light. So you're kind of a you're kind of a new new opinion, and you know you're you're fresh blood on this whole darkness light dogma idea, you know. And so definitely go play it if you haven't. It's a lot of fucking fun. Um, but that's going to wrap up this episode. Um, I really appreciate you coming to step on because um, I, I had a lot to say, but I didn't really know how to say it. Um, and I, I feel like this discussion definitely helped elaborate more on what Destiny Beyond Light is and what like what potential things it could bring for Destiny 2 and what Bungie's kind of working on. So thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been uh, this is my first ever podcast, so I hope I did well. Yeah, of course it is. It's not a problem. I would really like to have you on for more, especially as we kind of push more into newer games. <laughs> God um, of War! Yeah, exactly. As we push into newer games like Cyberpunk, God of War, and all that, and especially as we kind of move throughout this whole Destiny process, I feel like you're going to be my go-to for that. Um, but either way, thank you guys for um, coming to sit down and listen to this. I really appreciate it. This has been Down the Beaten Shaft with your hosts Colin and Connor. Ka-chow. <laughs> all right, thanks guys.